CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. By popular demand, we're bringing them back. Yeah, you you heard them a couple weeks ago. You said, Ben, bring back Vincent Norman. All right, already. I'm bringing him back. Vincent Norman. He is the founder of the Marijuana Hall of Fame, and I'm only bringing him on because I hope one day he puts me in that Marijuana Hall of Fame. And uh, he's chief marketing officer for Parkway Dispensary. Vincent Norman, welcome back to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. People can't see this, but I can see it. Vincent, uh, we're going to talk basketball with Vincent and a a little cannabis update, but uh, he's wearing his Chicago Blackhawks T-shirt. Talk about jumping on a bandwagon. The Blackhawks are all of a sudden Vincent's a Blackhawks fan. Hey, listen, I'm a Chicago sports fan. So, you know, any team that's in the, uh, the area of Chicago, I'm supporting them. You know, All right, so that's, fair that's enough. We, well, uh, by the time you hear this, uh, the Blackhawks may be out of the playoffs. They're down two to nothing to uh, Vegas. As I recall, Vincent, you made a bet uh, on the uh, man, on the Blackhawks. Yeah. I, I I took a wager, man, with some of the some of the counterparts out there in Vegas when I was staying out there, build a relationship. And so they was calling me saying, "Man, we're gonna kick the Blackhawks." Rear end, and uh, I said, "What? Okay, well, let's let's put a little wager on that." So, you know, right now I'm kind of shaking in my boots, uh, technically shaking in my sandals. All right. Okay, yeah, it's a hot day. He's not wearing boots. All right. Before we get to the NBA, uh, my par- uh, passion, uh, but Bulls, by the way, fired their coach uh, today. When you, whenever you Yay. hear this, yeah. <laughs> Okay, we already got about Vincent's response. We'll get into a little uh, deeper. Uh, Jim Boylan has been fired. Uh, all right, uh, let's do a little cannabis update. Uh, State of Illinois is a little slow in getting out the uh, uh, the licenses for the black-owned uh, dispensaries. This is a pet peeve of mine. Uh, everybody knows I've been banging this drum, uh, Vincent, for a while. Any uh, sense of when uh, the state will finally uh, figure this out? You know, they, they just came out with a uh, letter saying that they're going to be trying to issue license next month. So uh, I'm going to call it a 30-day countdown. We'll see what happens. You know, um, I'm going to be optimistic. And, you know, I was a little bit uh, pessimistic last time. But uh, since they came out with this letter and uh, Tommy Schubert, you know, kind of uh, <clears throat> wrote about it. And so we're going to see what happens. Yeah, we gave a shout out to Tommy Shuba, uh, aka Tommy Two Joint Shuba, uh, the <laughs> H reporter for the Chicago Sun Times. He not only covers the cannabis beat, he covers a lot of uh, uh, local news as well. Great reporter, pride and joy of Lincoln Park High School. And Tom, before I leave this one alone, uh, Vince, to get the NBA, he had a story, a very controversial story in today's Sun Times. Again, when I say today, uh, Lord knows when you're listening to this, folks, but the today that I'm referring to is Friday, August 14th. And uh, it is about uh, an interview that he did. Uh, with uh, uh, Trevier Kuti, who is a uh, la marijuana lobbyist uh, for a, um, a grower who wants to move into the state of Illinois, as she is a confidant of Kanye West and a big time supporter of Donald John Trump. And she lets her Republican allegiances fly in this uh, story, ripping Toy Hutchinson. And she says so many uh, degrading things about Toy Hutchinson. 
Uh, Vincent, I don't want to repeat them. And don't I'll, repeat I'll, those. Okay. No. I, and I'll tell you why I don't want to repeat I know Toy Hutchinson. And yes. I knew her when I've known her for years. She was state senator. She comes on my show. Uh, she tells it like it is. She got this job as a czar, so she doesn't come on the show anymore because, she, you know, she's part of the Pritzker administration. I understand how politics works. But I just got to say, this was uh, really below the belt uh, attack on uh, Toy Hutchinson, in my humble opinion, uh, by this, this, this woman who's a Donald Trump supporter. And uh, I wish Toy had responded because I know Toy's not afraid to throw a counterpunch, Vincent. Um, but uh, a lot but of racial know, slurs. Go ahead. Your thoughts. Yeah, on this. but but you know, uh, I go back to uh, Michelle Obama when they when they hit you low, you hold your head up high, and so uh, I don't think uh, you know she needs to respond. You know, when people are calling you those type of obscene words, you know, I mean, why throw mud with mud? You know, it's going to be dirty anyway, right? So I think she's going to take the road to just stay clean, stay away from it, you know. Uh, <clears throat> but I do uh, say that she, she do need to step up, uh, JB and her, and let's get these licenses issued to the minority-owned applicants. So I am uh, going to, you know, <clears throat> if I had a paddle, you know, pretty much uh, complain about that. But uh, other than that, you know, obviously Kute, even that name Kute, Kuti, even the name sounds a little bit rough. So, you know, what you expect? And then she's supporting Donald Trump, Uncle Trump, right? Yeah. And <laughs> Uncle Trump, <laughs> the <laughs> uncle that you don't want to come to dinner on Thanksgiving Day, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I'm sorry, if there's some fans out there that support Donald Trump, you know, <clears throat> You know, I'm not, you know, uh, throwing mud. I'm just saying. <clears throat> but it's going to be an interesting election. And Kute, uh, uh, she was way out of line. And uh, I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. I, I'm, not a, we, I'm not a big subscriber generally to uh, when they go low, we go high. Michelle Obama theory. I don't think that worked well for Hillary Clinton. Uh, 2016, <laughs> Donald Trump is already going low, low, low against Kamala Harris. That's the game the Republicans play. Uh, and uh, Trevian Kuti is uh, no different. She's playing that same game. Uh, so uh, I, I listen, I'm just going to say this before we move on, uh, Vincent. I've known Toy Hutchinson for a long time. And uh, I don't I'm with you. I'm very frustrated by the delays. Obviously, you're more frustrated than I am because you have uh, skin in the game, as they say. Skin in the game. Uh, yeah. But uh, so it's wide open for criticism, in my humble opinion, about the delays. But to go this slow and say these kinds of despicable things about uh, Toy Hutchinson's character uh, I just want to speak out and say um, I think that was a low blow, and that's Donald Trump stuff. So uh, that's you're right that they're, they're trying to uh, peel black voters away from the Democratic Party uh, with their incendiary language. We'll see if it works. Yes. All right, let's move on to uh, NBA uh, National Basketball Station. Uh, the bubble, the first round is over. The regular season uh, in the bubble. And uh, my pregame uh, talk with you, uh, we have something we have in common, and that is a profound love for one Damian Lillard of the Portland Trailblazers. Let's talk, let's talk three, about that. Three games, 154 points total. That's probably our average of uh, 51 points a game. He got 51, 61, and last night, 42, respectively. 
Uh, man, <clears throat> this is going to be interesting, you know, and, and check this out. <clears throat> so he's playing in the play-in game against Memphis, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies tomorrow. They got two games scheduled. Portland, all they have to do is win one. So if they win tomorrow, Memphis is eliminated. If Memphis win both games, they're in. So right now, LeBron's got to be shaking in his boots <laughs> because I'll tell you what, if the Portland Trailblazers get the eighth seed, you know, with Carmelo Anthony in there as well, man, it's going to be really tough on the Lakers. You know what? Guess what? Go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. Don't fear. Guess what? What were you going to say? I was going to say, and this will be, you know, everybody cross their fingers on this one because this will be the first time ever that Carmelo Anthony will be meeting LeBron James, the number one and the number three pick in the draft. They'll be meeting for the first time in the playoffs. So that's going to be really interesting. I did not know that. I did not yeah. know they never uh, showed it. They were number one and number three in the 2000. And three draft, I want to say it was 2003. And the number two pick was a disaster. I'm doing this off the top disaster. of my head. Uh, what was his name? I blanked it. Dennis, what was his name? What year? Uh, the number two, the, the uh, uh, Yugoslavian player, man, that uh, Joe Dumars in the piss. I can't bl- believe I bro- blanked on his name. Whatever. Darko Milicic? Yeah, Milicic. Well, well, you know, you know. Li- listen, this this was this is this was politics upfront and personal. Uh, David Stern knew that you cannot allow Carmelo Anthony, which was the national champions of the uh, college football, I mean, excuse me, basketball uh, tournament, <clears throat> Syracuse, go to Detroit, which had just won championship, NBA championship, that means that LeBron James would have had a long, horrible career on, in, in the East. So obviously the fix was in to get him out West, away from the East for LeBron James to flourish. And, uh, you know, don't let me go down that road because, you know, I'm a LeBron James fan, but clearly Carmelo Anthony should have been uh, rookie of the year. He took his Timber Nuggets to the playoff that year, and his stats were way better than LeBron James. But LeBron James got rookie of the year thanks to David Stearns and the NBA and pushing a superstar ahead of everyone. Wow. I finally met a man at Vincent Norman more cynical and than I am. Even I didn't go so far. as the, I just thought it was incompetence on the part of the Detroit Pistons' Joe Dumars. He, he passed D-Wade up. Don't forget that. D-Wade is in that same draft, and he passed up on D-Wade, who went to the Miami Heat. Well, you know, I mean uh... – Knowing Carmelo Anthony, Carmelo Anthony and uh, LeBron James are real close friends. Everybody mm-hmm. know that. So, you know, listen, Detroit, Cleveland, how far are they away from each other? About a two-and-a-half-hour drive? That would have caused a lot of problems. That means that Carmelo would have been dragging uh, LeBron over to Detroit and going out to Cleveland, and uh, the NBA wasn't going to allow that. So uh, call it cynical, but it's true. Numbers do not lie. Carmelo should have been the number two pick. He just won the national championship. From uh, for Syracuse. Before we go back to Damien, let's just take a moment, a pause for appreciation of Carmelo Anthony. I've always been a Carmelo Anthony fan. He's getting a bum rap down through the years of Vincent, yes. and I feel it's undeserved. What's your thoughts about this? Man, I've been singing it, singing his praises for a long time. Uh, you know, you got to look at it like this. Uh, he's been uh, the kind of left out man in the draft, right? 
I mean, clearly he came in with a resume of winning the national championship. Um, so everything was lined up for him. Like I said, again, uh, Detroit should have been picking him in the number two as the number two pick. That did not happen. They sent him out west to Denver, Colorado. I mean, Denver, Colorado, the Denver Nuggets. And so uh, watching how LeBron career flourished and then kind of, you know, him dealing with the West and dealing with the Lakers and all and, and the San Antonio Spurs with Tim Duncan. I mean, you know, the system, he was set up to fail. There's just no way he's going to get out the West when you got Tim Duncan uh, and then and, uh, Kobe and Shaq with the Lakers and uh, not to mention the Houston Rockets, you know, so it was kind of tough. And then he gets traded to the New York Knicks, which is a disaster. Uh, and then the New York media started pounding him, blaming him for the failings of New York, which laundry list of failures on the part of the management of the New York Knicks. Uh, and then people start denigrating him and hating on him. That's what happens uh, in the NBA. You know, Vincent, there's certain players get picked out and targeted uh, for abuse. Yeah. Uh, More like black ball, kind of, so to speak, you know, because, you know, just face it, he almost didn't even land with a team, you know. Uh, clearly, uh, the Lakers were trying to get him, but uh, they just would not allow him to come on and, and play with uh, LeBron James. I think that would have been, a, a, you know, kind of interesting uh, um, teammate <laughs> in the Lakers team with uh, Carmelo on there. But thank goodness for Portland giving him another opportunity and, you know, uh, he's ruffled some feathers along the way, you know, but, you know, clearly when uh, the, the deck is stacked against you, you know, uh, it makes you want to lash out. But uh, this, like I said, again, if Portland win the playing game and they're the number eight seed, I'm going on record to say that Portland will defeat the Lakers in six games. Whoa. OK, before we get to that, let's just talk about Damian a little, <laughs> a little bit. Uh, I, Vincent, I don't know if I ever told you this, but I'm short. I'm only about, I don't know, five, seven or whatever I am. So my heart is always with small players in the NBA. Every, at any given time, my favorite player is a small player in the NBA. And Damian Lillard, they say he's six feet. I don't think he's that much taller than I am, to tell you the truth. The man has a heart that's so huge. He's so fearless. He takes the, the these big-time shots. A lot of guys don't even want the ball in that moment. And Damian Lillard's like, give me the ball. Whatever happens, it goes in, it goes out. I still am Damian Lillard. And I just got a lot of respect and love for the man right now and the way he has carried Portland through this uh, playoff, uh, or or through the bubble uh, into the playoffs, is really admirable. Yeah, because each each game was like a playoff game for them. If they had a loss last night to the uh, Brooklyn Nets, then they would have been out of the playoffs. They wouldn't even be playing in the playoff game, playing game. It would have been Phoenix, the Phoenix Suns, which is the only team that went eight zero in the bubble. Yeah. All right. And we know who. We know the reason why that happened. All right. Well, wait, wait. Before we get in another uh, Vincent Norman a conspiracy theory, let me say this: I am outraged. Okay, that the NBA rules prevent uh, the Phoenix Suns from having a play in game. I believe the Phoenix Suns should be allowed to play the Orlando Magic, which is the 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 play the eighth seed in the East. I think East West at this point matter not at all. They're all playing in the same arena. They're all in the same city. There's no East or West. It's it's not like flying across the country, Vincent. We're all there. 
Uh, you have a team that went 8-0. They're the most exciting team in the bubble. Uh, DB, Devin Booker is on fire right now. People want why is Orlando getting a waltz in with after a very mediocre, I think they were three and five or something like that in the bubble. Uh, I, I think the NBA should be flexible and say, you know what? Memphis has got to play uh, Portland to get in. Right. Orlando, go play uh, against uh, the um, Phoenix, Phoenix Suns. Yeah, what's yeah. your thoughts? Um, yeah, I kind of agree, you know, uh, when it comes down to having your superstars uh, lined up. You know, I'm, I'm kind of surprised uh, Adam Silverman didn't kind of pull that executive uh, move and say, you know, we're going to give uh, Phoenix a shot. Because obviously, they're like, again, they're the only team that was 8-0 that went undefeated in the bubble. And uh, that is a pretty daunting task when you think about uh, the the three or three, four months layoff and then to come in and put that team together and uh, go eight and zero, pretty impressive. So what's your cynical theory as to why uh, they're never going to let Phoenix? <laughs> He's shaking his head. <laughs> now, you know, uh, you know, I, I think that you know, you would have been breaking the rules, you know. Phoenix is from the West. You can't, you know, take a West team and put them over in the in the East, and you know, and just call it okay. Let's, you know, fight like let's fight. And we'll see who you know come out with the bones. You just can't do that, you know, because then uh, you you have owners and general managers saying, "Well, hey, my team has has got a better record than the team over in the West. Why we can't, you know?" So. They want to stay away from that. So, all right. Well, I, I think they should have. Uh, they should have had bubble rules, and like <laughs> rules are made to be broken. We're in a bubble. We're in a pandemic. The people would love. The ratings would be high. People would love to see uh, Phoenix get the chance to play in. Come on, Adam Silver. You can break the rules every now. We're the rules have all been smashed. We're in a pandemic. Okay. Right. And, uh, so uh, we're playing basketball in the middle of August. I love it, by the way, Vincent, but I'm just saying the rules have already been broken. Um, yeah. All right, let's move on. Let's get to that prediction of yours. And uh, we're really, we're going to keep this recording forever. Uh, and you'll either be viewed as a genius for what you're about to say, or you'll be running away uh, from this prediction. Every time I meet you, I go, Dennis, could you play that prediction again that Vincent made? But you, you're <laughs> predicting boldly that uh, – the Portland Trailblazers will win the playoffs to get into the playoffs, which I agree with you. They'll beat uh, uh, the Grizzlies. And then they're going to defeat the Los Angeles Lakers. Is that your prediction? That is my prediction. And, uh, I mean, let's, let's, let's face it here. It's a play-in game, and all they got to do is win one out of the two. Mm-hmm. I just don't see Memphis beating them twice. No. And I just don't see that. And if that happens, well, you know, I'll take – the uh, ungenious rule away, but no, you know clearly Portland's going to win the uh, the playing game. They'll be the AC team. They'll play the Lakers. They'll play the Lakers at home in Orlando. <laughs> All you will see is the Lakers uh, symbol, they logo on the court. Obviously, they don't have home court advantage. And uh, you know, I will, I'm going to predict this, and I'm going to say that Portland will take them out. And if they, it's a seven game series, they'll take them out in six games. The Lakers really uh, need to get it together, and uh, I don't see that happening. So, what 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 is there about Portland that gives them, in your humble opinion, uh, an advantage over the Lakers, who, by the way, have LeBron James and Anthony Davis? The Lakers have 
Carmelo. I'm excuse me. Portland has Carmelo Anthony, and again, this is he's never faced LeBron James in the playoffs. This will be the first time, and this will be his chance to stick it to him. And then, of course, he got uh, Batman and Robin over there. You know, two two good point guards in the, that can average 30, 40 a game easy. So it's going to be interesting. I believe Carmelo's going to come out fired up. He's going to be excited. And this is going to be redemption for him. Well, I'm really hoping uh, that you're correct because I, I love Portland. I've never been. All my friends are Lakers fans. I've never jumped on a Lakers bandwagon in all my years. I go way back to when uh, my beloved Chicago Bulls would lose to Will Chamberlain and the Lakers, and they would knock my team out of the playoffs. So I've never been a Lakers fan, and I'm not going to jump on the bandwagon now. And by the way, I have to say one thing. The happiest team in the NBA may be the L.A. Clippers because by virtue of coming in second, they avoid – having to play Portland in the uh, first round. So uh, maybe that number one seed wasn't such a great prize after all. I don't think it was. You know, uh, Portland's been injured. You know, I mean, pretty much their players been injured all season. So they got their full roster back. And uh, Damian has something to prove. Like I said, again, Carmelo has something to prove. And uh, the Lakers are in the way. So, you know, uh, Damian said, uh, Damian Lillard said a a quote that – you know, at the end of the day, these are my co-workers. <laughs> That's interesting. Mm. So he called all the players on the court pretty much co-workers, yeah. the, the guys he played against. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, all right. We'll close it down with this. Uh, my beloved Chicago Bulls fired Jim Boylan. That were a story broke today. Uh, he's the coach of the Chicago Bulls. I think my first reaction was along the lines of hallelujah. Uh, and uh, so we'll get Vincent, you're a Chicagoan, and uh, get your reaction. And who do you think the Bulls should hire as their coach? Take it away. <clears throat> I believe that the Bulls should hire Mark Jackson, you know, uh, or Avian Johnson. I don't think they'll hire Avian Johnson. He turned down the position uh, a while back. But here's an opportunity to really uh, hire a seasoned coach, bring someone in that can really, uh, you know, work with those young players and get them on the right track and uh, get the Bulls back in the playoffs and get them back in the winning spirit. And, uh, look, we do. We do. I mean, we haven't had an African-American coach uh, for the Bulls. And, man, can, it, can hey, let's play back the tape. <laughs> Bill Cartwright. Bill, Bill Cartwright. And we know how that turned out. Yes. That's in the – 2003 I want to say so yeah I'm with you 100% Uh, I like Mark Jackson and he did a great job with the Warriors and their young talent back when they were young talent Steph Curry and uh, so I I think that would be welcome but Vincent I don't see it happening Uh, you know that's you know the Bulls have they've never gone for seasoned coaches that are going to cost a lot of money I just I hope you're right but I don't see it coming you're probably right. You know, they'll find somebody that, you know, accept about two, $2.5 million, $3 million, you know, and they'll wish through the well. And, you know, and again, we'll be having this conversation maybe two or three years from now. And we'll be bringing Mark Jackson's name up again if, unless he get hired by someone else. But, you know, clearly uh, he was – it kind of reminded me, he really put a stamp on the Golden State Warriors. He's really tough on Steph Curry and, and those guys really getting them ready. And so when Steve Kerr took over – and Steve Curry even gave him credit uh, when he won the championship that, you know, said that, you know, Mark Jackson really set the culture. So uh, that being said, you know, uh, 
he's due uh, an opportunity, and uh, hopefully the Bulls, you know, if you're listening, <laughs> Chicago Bulls, give Mark Jackson a shot, you know. All right, well, that's a good uh, spot as ever to leave it uh, with a urgent appeal to the Chicago Bulls to hire Mark Jackson. Vincent Norman, stay safe and sound. Uh, I'm going on vacation for a week, and when I come back, I'll check in with you. We'll do another uh, update uh, in a couple weeks, all right? Okay, I want to give a shout-out to Dennis. You know, he's doing a great job, you know. Oh, hey, and, thanks. Uh, appreciate you guys, and, you know, let's let's keep it going, and uh, look forward to it next time, and thank you guys. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture, food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics, from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. You hear that sound in the background, everyone? Porter, 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 Porter. That's the crowd screaming, chanting. They want Miles Porter back. All right, we're bringing him back. <laughs> Miles Porter, our baseball expert or baseball guru and our nba guru the man's like hey betty i can handle more than just baseball i want to talk a little nba as well one day you'll hear him on espn ladies and gentlemen he'll be up there one of those guys debating skip bayless and uh, oh, bring yes, him to his knees uh so miles first of all welcome back to the show thank you for having me and uh we're gonna start with baseball close with basketball uh, Miles, uh, number one, I know you're ecstatic about this. As we're doing this interview, it is Friday, August 14th, uh, 2020. And as I speak, your beloved Chicago Cubs, I believe uh, I have the best record in baseball. If not, they're right there with the Yankees. 13-3. and three. Miles, I got to tell you, I didn't see it coming. Did you – are you surprised as well? Um, not too surprised. Uh, it has been very pleasant to see so many players step up. Um, David Ross – Anthony Rizzo, the leadership that they've really had with this group of guys during these crazy times, uh, the discipline that they've really instilled in this team, is it's, it's been incredible. And you see it translating onto the field, and they're all just having fun right now. Um, the Cubs are on a roll. It's, good. It's, it's, it's been very fun. I'm not, I'm not too surprised. I'm, I'm pretty happy about this. So let's see if we can keep it going. All right. I'm, I'm very surprised. I did not see this coming, and uh, I didn't see the, the- – the starting pitching being as strong it's been uh that really caught me uh uh off guard and i'm going to get to uh my i told you i was going to ask you uh, tell you my biggest uh my most pleasant surprise you darvish i'm so excited about this gentleman three and one i believe the era is 1.58 uh, don't quote me in that it's in it's uh, below two i did not see that coming at all he looks like the you darvish of old uh, when you look when you look at uh, his start last night, everything was moving. Slider was moving. He's locating every single pitch. He's painting the black. Um, this is this is the most confident that I've seen him, and the most comfortable that I've seen him as a Chicago Cub. Now I hope that's not because there's no fans in the building because that's not gonna it's not gonna be like that forever. But with with uh, how you Darvish has been going about his business on the mound has been so important for the Cubs to continue to succeed this season. So. Couldn't be more proud of him. You uh, Darvish has been great. Wait, Miles, I hadn't thought about that. Let's uh, uh, go into that a little bit. No fans in the stadium. You're absolutely correct. They're playing uh, uh, under the rules of, of the pandemic, so there's yeah. no fans uh, in the stadium. And so what impact do you think that's had on players in general, but you Darvish in particular? Um, You know, I think um, 
maybe speaking from like a like a whole perspective, it is it is really all on the players now to provide that energy and to provide that motivation uh, for the teammates whenever they do something good. If, if Rizzo hits a double, you're going to see Wilson Contreras in the dugout jumping up and down next to Kyle Schwarber. It is so important. It is so important for the players now to inspire their teammates, to get on their boys and be like, come on, let's go. And I think for you, Darvish, I think at this point in his career with the Cubs, he's really uh, become comfortable with the guys around him. And now that he's just hearing the guys while he's on the mound, uh, it probably makes it all that more, much more comfortable for him. So he's going out there with so much more confidence as opposed to when we first saw him. All right, let's get down to the south side. A little disappointing. Uh, they're over 500 as I speak. Again, Friday, October, uh, excuse me, Friday, October, Friday, August 14th, uh, 10 and 9, my beloved Chicago White Sox. I'm a little disappointed with that. Uh, are you as well? Oh, a, a little bit, a little bit. Um, You know, I'm not really going to put it too much on the offense because pretty much um, – Offensively, the, the White Sox have been incredible this year for the most part. Um, Luis Robert, he, he's probably the best hitter on the White Sox right now. Tim Anderson following him. Uh, but the starting pitching and the pitching in general hasn't been that good. Uh, Gio Gonzalez, 0-1 with a 6.61 ERA. He's just getting he's just getting tagged every single start. Um, Lucas Giolito doesn't really look like the Lucas Giolito that we saw last year. Uh, walking guys, uh, leaving fastballs over the plate. Everything's getting sent over the wall. Uh, really, I think the best pitcher right now out of that rotation is Dallas Keuchel with a 3.04 ERA, who for the most part has been very solid, but he's not the best pitcher on that uh, in that rotation. I believe we need to see more out of Dylan Cease and Lucas Giolito. You mentioned Dallas Keuchel. Yeah. It was an old, old school setup that happened earlier this week. The Sox had lost, I think, three in a row. They looked really down against Cleveland. Yeah. And uh, he was one of those things where the old vet uh, just let him have it and there's been a little res- resurrection since then. There was no game last night, so I can't say for sure. It's two wins in a row is something. To, uh, but yeah. the a team needed that. It seemed like they needed somebody to light the fire. Absolutely. Um, the White Sox, should, in, in my opinion, they should be number one in the AL Central right now. The amount of young talent that they have uh, is, is to me, it's next, uh, is best next to the Padres. Um, the White Sox, the, the, the potential that they have to really take over not only the, the AL Central, but the entire MLB, it's it should be pretty scary for a lot of teams. Um, but the one of the biggest issues with the White Sox that has been constant even this year is the pitching, is the bullpen, is the rotation. Guys need to get out. Stop leaving balls over the plate like like guys aren't going to be hitting them over the wall. This is the MLB. The I think that's really one of my biggest issues with uh, this White Sox ball club. Steven Ciszek, uh 8.59 ERA in nine games. Steven Ciszek is way better than that, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think when he was a Chicago Cub, he was absolutely solid. But I think something also about pitching and guaranteed right field, the dimensions are different. So we'll see what happens with the White Sox as uh, we go down the line here. And when we talk about pitching, let's go back to the Cubs for a moment. <laughs> if, the, if there is one vulnerability they have, there's one disappointment I have, it's the closer. I, that's what got uh, Joe Madden in so much trouble. We're going to get into Madden a little bit. But yeah. last year, uh, there was nobody who could slam the door shut in the ninth inning. I don't – I'm still nervous about that, uh, Miles. Uh, I don't see a closer for the Cubs. What's your thoughts? Yo, uh, right now, I, I don't – I can't point on anyone who I think is would be a solid candidate because I think some of the relievers must stay in their roles for the Cubs to succeed. But uh, Craig Kimbrell, um, Wow. 
I, I don't want to say he's been abysmal, but he's kind of been abysmal this year. Uh, <laughs> body language is terrible. Um, and you also to see this when he goes on the mound, he's defeated a 23.63 ERA in four games. There's been multiple starts where he has walked the bases loaded and then he'll walk a run in or he'll give up two bombs in a row. And now all of a sudden, David Ross is bringing in Jeremy Jeffers, who he probably wanted to save for the next day. It's just, it's just, uh, it's, it's been really bad. It's been really bad. Granted, his career ERA is still really, really good. But what he's doing right now in this moment for the Chicago Cubs can really hurt us down the line. Making the playoffs isn't going to be an issue for the Cubs. There's, there's no one in the central division that, that's uh, competing with them right now. I'm sorry, uh, Craig Council and the Brewers, but no no one's thinking about you guys. This is, it's, just, it's, just, it's just the truth. <laughs> right now, if we're, when, we, when we do get the playoffs and we're probably going to face a team like the Dodgers, we need Craig Kimbrell to get outs. I think one of his issues, um, there are certain nights where he is throwing strikes, but it's too much of a strike. He's throwing a fastball right down the middle. And then there's other nights where he cannot locate a slider or any breaking pitch, which uh, results in runs getting walked in or a wild pitch or whatever it may be. We need the Craig Kimbrell from Atlanta. We need the Craig Kimbrell from uh, Boston. Yeah. Uh, the Cubs really need him to step up and figure it out. And I think maybe kind of giving him probably like, I don't know, maybe like a week off or something to really work with him. Uh, I think that'll really be beneficial. Uh, and uh, you you mentioned uh, David Ross bringing in uh, relievers, and that's the Cubs manager. Let's get to the managing change. Yeah. David Ross versus Joe Madden. The Cubs yeah. said, as we speak, 13-3, great start. And I saw a column by Rick Morrison that sometimes had me smiling. He was extolling the virtues of uh, David Ross, and they were already throwing Joe Madden under the bus. Let me just say this. Joe Madden did a great job for the Chicago Cubs. They're Absolutely. a world champion. 130,000 years since they last won their championship. They win it under Ross. The pressure, I mean, excuse me, under uh, Joe Madden. The pressure that he had overcome to get to that moment makes him, in my opinion, the greatest manager the Chicago Cubs uh, have ever had. So just to automatically, oh, throw him under the bus because last year was disappointing. In my humble opinion, Miles, and feel free to vigorously disagree with me, <laughs> it is not Joe Madden's fault that K- Craig Kimbrell uh, was disappointing as a closer and they didn't have a closer. I can remember so many games where the Cubs had a lead going into the eighth or the ninth inning, couldn't mm-hmm. close it. And that was that fresh, particularly frustrating in that stretch, if you recall, and I know you probably put it out of your mind, in September <laughs> last year, where the oh Cubs had was nine in a row. It was just abysmal. Yeah. And Joe Madden, you, he just—he looked like he wanted to break a bat in half. Yeah. But I—I I, I can't blame Joe Madden uh, for that. Dear, uh, what's your position on Joe Madden uh, and the Cubs? There should be no reason any Cubs fan of any sort should be giving Joe Madden any kind of hard time. Are you kidding me? We're talking five years of winning baseball. Five plus years of winning of winning baseball, winning records. Uh, the culture that he brought to the Cubs of, um, you know, just relax, go out there and play. That's okay. That's all right to go out there, you know, not put too much pressure on yourself. Or, you know, if Jorge Soler goes 0 for 4, striking out four times, which he did. But now, uh, obviously, he's not with the Cubs anymore. But I remember Jorge Soler had a game where he struck out four times, which I think is a golden sombrero in baseball. Um, and what did Joe Madden do? He put him in the game the next day. Yeah. Now, I think 
one of the things that could have been addressed a little bit better is maybe holding players accountable, maybe maybe be a little bit harder on certain guys if they're not doing their jobs, especially when they're the main players, especially when we know how good they can be. That's something different. But the culture, the positivity, the energy, the the fun that he brought to Chicago Cubs baseball is is unmatched. There should be no reason that any Cubs fan should be walking around with any sort of animosity towards Joe Madden because uh, we would not be in this situation if it wasn't for him. We just wouldn't. That's just the truth. Do you think there's something that David Ross is doing that special and unique uh, that's contributed to thirteen and three record, or do you think? Uh, they just haven't had a moment where the bullpen can blow the game in the ninth inning. Uh, what's your take on this? No, I think I think with David Ross, he has brought. Uh, I think also there's a change of Tennessee, change of scenery, change of a uh, you know a little bit of a change of culture. Uh, David Ross, he I think he uh, he holds players accountable more. He's a little bit harder on players. Um, not uh, not being flexible, but he's going to call you out quicker than Joe Madden would have. Um, I think um, to a certain extent, it puts a little bit more of a fire under a certain amount of players when they go out there. With David Ross, he uh, he's probably not going to play around with you as much. He's probably not going to make him. Uh, he's not going to make these excuses for you. David Ross is go out there, do your job. We're going to have fun while doing it, but you better go out there. You better make the plays. You better come back in the dugout. I need you to get on base, whether that means that you walked or that means you you, you had an infield base hit, whatever. Get on base. Make the outs do your job. I think that's what uh, David Ross has brought. A little bit more of a, um, you know, maybe a little bit more of a tighter system, but the players have adjusted to it well. All right. Now let's uh, move uh, on from the Cubs and Sox and talk about two players uh, uh, that are lighting it up in baseball, doing things, uh, quite frankly, in the short period of time. I don't think anybody's ever done. Uh, one is Charlie Blackman from the uh, Colorado Rockies, and the other is Aaron Judge of the New York Yankees. Let's take it uh, player by player. We'll start with the Rockies. Uh, I haven't looked at today's statistic again today, Friday, August 14th, but the other day I sent you an article. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Blackman was batting 500 okay. miles, 500. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's batted 400 since 1941 when Ted <laughs> Williams did it. 500. Yeah. I mean, that's like what Miles did when he was in Little League, okay, <laughs> at, at Dawes Park or whatever. Uh, so uh, what's your thought? I mean, talk about that. This is this is this is so fun to watch. First of all, that Rockies lineup can be very fun to watch in general. But um, really sticking with Charlie Blackman, um, he's always been a very very solid hitter. He's always been very good at reading pitchers prior to the at bat and then after the at bat. This year, it looks like he's really put everything together. Um, as I'm looking at it right now, according to Baseball Reference, right now he's batting 472 with uh, 34 hits out of 72 at bats. It's been very fun to watch him next to Nolan Arenado, but also his confidence as a hitter is a little bit similar to uh, Mike Trout as a hitter. Charlie Blackman really understands how to uh, read a pitcher, how to adjust to whoever's on the mound, righty or lefty. Um, this isn't this actually isn't too surprising to me, uh, but it's very fun to watch. So good for him. I hope he keeps it going. Uh, yeah, hopefully the Rockets can win some more games as well. Yeah, it would be an asterisk next to him, by the way, if he does bat four. He's not batting 500, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, he's already down to 472. Uh, <laughs> but if, if 400, I don't know. if it, It's a 60-game season. Yeah. Uh, nobody's batted 400 since yeah. Ted Williams in 41. Right. I don't even know if he'll make it through the 60-game season. But even if he does, it'll be an asterisk next to it uh, because, obviously, it's a shortened season. And I'm rooting for like hell for him. I really wanted to bat 400. What about you? Uh, I think, I think even within a span of 60 games, batting and batting 470 within a span of 60 games, that's incredible. 
to me, yeah. that feat alone is, is something that he should be very proud of. Now, would I have loved to see this in a 162-game season? Absolutely. Do I think he could do it in a, in a full MLB season? Absolutely not. But <laughs> I'm not taking away from what he's doing right now, what he's doing within, with, uh, what he's doing, uh, within 60 games. So many young players can be watching his at-bats and learning so much from them as how to get out of an 0-2 count, how to work a pitch, how to work a count to 3-2, and two, um, how to really foul pitches off and keep battling and stay in there. That's one of the things that Charlie Blackman, even prior to this year, has always been very good at. So I'm hoping that he continues this even when this season is over. Keep it going for next year so yeah. we can see what you do in 162. And Aaron Judge? What's your oh thoughts about Aaron Judge? Nine homers Aaron. already? Aaron Judge, uh, he scares me. He he really does scare me. Um, wow, not I, I'm not surprised with Aaron Judge. Um, really, uh, in my opinion, he looks more confident this year than he did last year. Um, he's taking advantage of pitchers leaving pitches uh, in the zone, hanging hanging uh, breaking balls, hanging fastballs right down the middle, or hanging a fastball up and away where Judge really excels at hitting with the balls to all parts of the field. Uh, this is this has been very fun to watch. That's a very scary lineup. Aaron Aaron Judge is, you know, he. I think he's one of the, uh, the one of the big faces of baseball next to Mike Trout. Uh, so you know, can't wait to see what else he does for the rest of the season. And the Yankees are probably going to go very far. Uh, I'm predicting they're probably going to go to the World Series. That's just me. Though. That's just me. You think they're going to beat my beloved White Sox to get to the World Series, huh? Uh, I, I think they would make very quick work of the White Sox just because the White Sox aren't exactly there yet. By the way, I have to ask you this, and I, I, I'm embarrassed I don't know the answer to this. I'm a sports geek. Do they have a bubble set up for the baseball playoffs? Or are they, are they going to play these games at individual fields? So as of right now, we do not know the answer to that question. Um, when I was watching the game yesterday, uh, Len Casper was talking about the possibility of them having some sort of bubble, which I think would be very beneficial Absolutely. for the MLB to get these games in uh, to, as safe as possible. You see the Cardinals you look at the Cardinals, you don't want another situation like that because at this point, I don't know what Rob Manfred is really going to do with that team at this point with the amount of games that everybody else is playing with all these other teams really following the rules. The Marlins are, are back in there. Um, I think it'd be very beneficial not only for uh, baseball itself, it'd be, it would be very safe for a lot of these players to uh, play the playoffs inside of the bubble. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm with you on that one, and I don't know what he's going to do with the Cardinals. He may just say, sorry, uh, Cardinals, but uh, you should have done a better job of taking care of your uh, players. All right, uh, let's uh, leave baseball and go to basketball. But before uh, uh, we went on the air, Miles, let's, uh, uh, you know, I know basketball too, okay? I'm not just a baseball oh, yeah. guy. <laughs> uh, I said, all right, Vincent is our basketball guy. We'll go to you. Uh, there's one player, I just got finished saying this, that I've just fallen in love with. I'm a Bulls fan. Everyone knows that. But my <laughs> beloved Bulls are not in the bubble. So I got to look for other things to root for. I am so in love with Damian Lillard. I love his heart. I love his fearlessness. He's like 60 points one night, 50 the next night, 40. The, he's, yep. he's brought uh, the Portland Trailblazers uh, into the playoffs. They're uh, playing against Memphis for the right to be the eighth seed. Yep. I'm, I'm just fired up over him. Uh, is he your favorite player as well? Absolutely. Um, the, the, the confidence between every single shot, whenever he dunks a ball. <laughs> Damian Lillard is so fun to watch. He has every right to be talking trash right now. He's the best player in the league. I don't care what anyone says right now. 
Damian Lillard, he's a bad man right now. So <laughs> watching him go about his business after he hits a three or watching him dunk a ball and stare someone down like, yeah, I did that. Now get out of my way. He has all the uh, rights. Da- all the rights. Damian Lillard. around with his chest. Wait, hold on, Miles. Now wait. I love Damian Lillard. You think Damian Lillard is a better player than LeBron James? So I don't think he's a, a better player than LeBron James. I think LeBron James is the best, not only the best scoring player, but like the best all-around player. I think currently, if we're talking about players who have really handled this bubble differently and have really handled it well, um, especially over the course of the last few weeks, Damian Lillard, in my opinion, has shown the most confidence in himself and has really made, he's really made the point like, hey, I know we had some time off. I'm not, I'm not any different. This hasn't affected <laughs> me. <laughs> this is the regular season for me. I don't care how much time there is in between games. I'm, I'm hot right now. So I think yeah. his confidence right now is different as even compared to LeBron's right now. So, you know, I think uh, right now in this moment, definitely Damian Lillard. I'm going with him as like the most dangerous player in basketball. We'll see how long that stays, but uh, his confidence, I don't see that going away anytime soon. Well, I, uh, I look forward to uh, Damian Lillard and the uh, Trailblazers uh, getting past Memphis. They go, they go against the Lakers, and I'm probably watching Game 7 uh, social distancing in your uh, dad's uh, living room because uh, that'll be a great Game 7. Well, six feet apart. Okay, Cap, we'll be six feet apart. But that Game 7, I'm looking forward to it. I hope that comes to a Game 7. I hope uh, uh, Portland uh, – that, by the way, I also love Carmelo Anthony, who plays for Portland. Uh, I love yeah. Yeah. That's all right. Uh, final thing before uh, we did the show today, the word broke that uh, the Bulls had fired Jim Boylan, the coach. Uh, yeah. As I said already in the show, my first reaction was hallelujah. Uh, nothing against Jim Boylan, he seems like a nice gentleman, but uh, the Bulls needed a new coach. Uh, that's my perspective. Uh, what's your reaction? I think it is, it has been long overdue that the Bulls have gotten rid of Jim. Boylan, even saying his name just makes my skin crawl a little bit. Look, nothing against Jim Boylan, but I think one of his issues right now, uh, when he was the coach of the Bulls, is he wasn't really connecting with the with the young players. I I know that there were moments where uh, he he instilled some pretty firm discipline, some some lessons with a uh, benching Zach Levine and Kobe White in the last in the last few minutes of the game, um, just, uh, trying to get a point across with a hey, you know, if you're not going to make shots, you're not going to do your job. I'm pulling you out. I think the way he went about it and probably conversations uh, before and after, it wasn't resonating very well with that young group. And um, right now, I feel like with these with this core that the Bulls have, it's so important for these guys to have someone who they really feel like they can trust, uh, look to for a lot of guidance, and know that uh, that person has their back. Um, if Jim Boylan is going on the interview and saying that Zach Levine's performance in the last quarter of the game was egregious to yeah. reporters, well, well yeah, he – your relationship with him is probably not going to be very good because you're throwing him under the bus in front of so many people. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I think um, what right now what the Bulls need is someone who can really connect with these players and let them know, hey, I got you. Now, if you don't have to do your job, we're going to go out there, we're going to play hard, defend, make your shots, get these rebounds, block the ball. But at the same time, they need to, they need to know they have a coach who's going to have their back and someone who they know they can go to if things don't go well. Jim you know, Boylan was the not irony, that player, but not that coach. The 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 irony of what you just what you just said is true. They need a Joe Madden type. I think they, so. They need a Joe Madden type. Yeah, to absolutely. To still, the, the Bulls have been so bad for so many years. 
there's like a there's a cloud hanging over that team and they need someone a little sunshine break through the cloud come on man enjoy life you know <laughs> enjoy life you're playing for the chicago bulls yes go out there and just enjoy it. just enjoy it just enjoy the game you know one of the best cities in the world to play in, the best city in the world, Michael Jordan's hometown team. Like, come on now, go out there and enjoy it. Play hard. Go out there and play hard. You know what I mean? Um, do your job, but at the same time, go out there and have fun. If you dunk a ball, celebrate. If you make that game-winning three-point, I better see you jumping around with you and your teammates. Um, right now, uh, I think it is one of the best decisions for Jim Boylan to leave, and I'm very surprised he still stuck around for as long as he did. All right, Miles Porter, uh, excellent job as always. I want to thank you very much. Stay safe and sound. I'm going away uh, for Gation, but I'll be back, and we'll bring you back, and we'll uh, continue the conversation, all right? All right. Thank you for having me, guys. That's the great Miles Porter. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everyone.